Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the award-winning recovery podcast, Get in the Herd, brought to you by the McShin Foundation. I am your host today, Nathan Mitchell, and we have a very special episode because we have with us the elusive, the the um, sits in the in the room and never gets out. Uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Um, isolating. Um, Decompressing. Decompressing. I like that. He's a cosigner. He will cosign your bullshit. Um, all day. All day. We have Clay Porter with us. And I say all this, to this about Clay. And of course, here he is right here with us. Um, Clay has been recently made the men's program manager here at the McShin Foundation. Um, currently lives in housing as well. So he's a participant. Um, I've known Clay uh, long enough where... Uh, well, I've known Clay long enough. How about that? We'll leave it at that. So uh, welcome, Clay. And and Art, good to see you over there. We need another camera facing on you just to put you in the corner. Yeah, we need that. Yeah. And we need a drone. A drone? Yeah, any sponsors? I, I feel like I am already the drone. We need a sad trombone button. Can we get that too? Yep. Um, along Clay, with the cough buttons. Along with the cough buttons. Clay, man, welcome to the show, my friend. Good to see you. What's What brings you on today? Well, you asked me to come on, so <laughs> generally, I don't know. Plus, I'm trying to get out of the office because I'm so isolated that probably could be the best thing to do. Yeah? Yeah. Say more about that. Do you feel isolated? I don't feel isolated. I feel I feel focused. Mm. And mm. I don't like my focus to be interrupted. <laughs> by, by random hours of by, the show? Yeah. No. I mean, with this, I don't know. I could really use this today. Yeah. Taking about an hour out to speak with you. Yeah. Various recovery related things. Various recovery related things. Well, first of all, let's start with, um, let's start with how you first found the McShin Foundation. It's been a while you've known about us. How I very, like the very first time. Sure. Start from the beginning. Tell us about your recovery journey. Oh man. Oh man. So Jesus. All right. So, I first found out about McShin when I kind of was screwing up pretrial and stuff like that because I've been, you know, messing up for quite a while. And then it got to the point where my only options were like rehab 
or jail. So I went with rehab and I went to a treatment facility out in like the mountains for 28 days. And then I got out and immediately relapsed. And at that point I went and did like six months in jail. And after that, I got out, went to like an Oxford house and then got kicked out of there because I kept using. Um, and then I had a friend who I went to that, that treatment facility with that she was at the recovery apartments, eco flats. And mm. it was McShin at the time they were managing it. So I went strictly like straight in there from the streets, you know, I wasn't part of McShin like, like talking about, but I was affiliated with them because I was living there at the apartments, you know, but I didn't really like come up here to the main office and stuff like that. So that was my first exposure to McShin and I met a lot of cool people, you know, it was the first time I ever really, I don't know, like found out what, that like there was a thing called recovery, you know, and that there were people trying to get clean all together and not just all like on their own and stuff. So it was, it was really cool. Plus it was like my really good friend that was living in the apartments. Um, so it was really good for me at the time. And I ended up staying there for like, I don't know, like eight, nine, ten months. It was, it was a good while. I was like, at Eco Flats? Yeah. It was yeah. Like, they were like, I was like one of the longest running people there. You know, that, that's a substantial amount of time for that place. Um, yeah. So, and then I had relapsed and it was bad, but then that was just my first exposure to McShin. And then when I relapsed bad and went on the run for like three years and continued to destroy my life, um, law caught up to me. I was incarcerated in on July 26th, 2020. So that's my clean date. And I did like five months in jail. Wait, July 26, 2020? So you just celebrated two years? No, about to well, celebrate. Oh, July 20. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was yeah. June. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So, and then I went, that was when I went to jail and then I did like five months in there. And then I got out um, on three bonds to come to treatment because there was no treatment or any, any help really in the jail that I was in because the McShin pod was like shut down due to COVID and everything. Yeah. So I, I'm you know, kind of got things set up to come bed to bed here. And that's what I did. Well, Clay, I uh, appreciate you giving me that kind of rundown. And I, I want to focus on uh, or ask you about yeah. the 28-day program you did in the mountains. And and the reason I want to ask you about that, you know, I, I don't know exactly what program, but... but Can I say? <laughs> I mean, sure, if you want to. Yeah. It was Life Center Galax. Like, okay, Galax, right? Mm -hmm. So what was the exit plan that was put in place before you left Galax? They refer to it as a relapse prevention plan. Okay. Um, you know, similar to how we have transition or exit plans, essentially it's what are you gonna do when you get out of here? And, you know, we just wanna know, you know, if it, it sounds crazy or not. So like what I had worked up with them, I really can't remember because I was kind of still messed up at the time. I was like drug seeking, you know, and I had managed to get on like methadone and, and, and subutex and stuff like that there. But essentially, like I, I, I was more so having a a problem with heroin at the time, you know. Mm. That was that was kind of that era of my life, and I got out and I wanted to pursue maintenance um, with Suboxone. So I, I set myself up to see like a a clinic, I guess that, that dealt with that for when I got like back off the bus up here, and. I was frantically trying to find somewhere to live, you know, with, cause I had burned bridges and I, I really didn't have much at all at that time. So 
it was a little shoddy, you know, like the, the plan that I had. Um, <clears throat> obviously, I was like, I'm going to you know go to meetings and things like that. But I was just like, all right, I'm going to get on some boxing. I saved to keep me off heroin. I'm going to try and find a job. Well, actually, no, I still had my job at the bank. Well, the so so the, the I'm interested in the process of of transitioning from Galax out out of Galax. And when you put together your relapse, relapse prevention, prevention plan, plan yeah. yeah, who signed off on it? It was my, I think it was, a, they refer to them as my counselor. Were these clinicians or were well, these other yeah, peers in recovery? Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't really know the, like the structure that they had there, okay. you know, in, in hindsight, cause it's, it's been a while and I was yeah. so messed up, but yeah, I had like an assigned counselor person and, uh, I didn't really relate to her much, but she was the one that did give it to me and, and pretty much I gave it to her and she was just like, yep, this sounds like it'll work, you know, and we'll get you set up on, you know, speaking with the the clinic for the the suboxone when yeah when i got back up here but I mean, it really wasn't as hands-on or i i don't really remember it being well that yeah that's kind of what i'm getting at it's yeah. like like i and i i don't want to pick on gay lax or any one particular program what i want to demonstrate though is how important you know having an effective transition plan is and and of course you know you you and i both know you know we, we you can recover you can recover anywhere. You can use anywhere, right? Absolutely. Um, it's it's about you know having tools in place for when those thoughts creep in and when you're gonna you know or when things go tits up, yeah. um, which it's my latest expression lately. Um, but cats you know, pajamas. The cats, but yeah. yeah, that 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 doesn't apply here though. That yeah. sounds good. I still like that one. You still like that one? The cat's pajamas are a good thing. See? Yeah, tits you know? up is a bad thing. Yeah, it'd be kind of like the opposite of tits up. You know? Is it really bad? I mean... <laughs> In this regard, yes. Somebody's ornery over there. Ornery, not any other ornery. word with an H in front of it. Ornery. <clears throat> yep. um, mm. Do you feel ornery today? I don't know what that means. Well, Alexa, define ornery. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Alexa can be heard on the on the air right now, so we probably should have done that. But, um, but anyway, uh, that that aside, you know, getting back to that that transition, right? Like, you know, art, for instance. Now, since art's part of this conversation here too, and you and me, you know, all three of us have have gone through McShin, right? We're, we've all gone through McShin. You've gone through other programs. Art's gone through other programs. I haven't gone through any other programs. Just this one. Just this one. I, you know, I, and 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 that that actually kind of terrifies me. Uh, you know, when I really sometimes sit down and, my, and I'm alone in my thoughts, it kind of terrifies me. It's like, oh shit, what do I still have to experience before I actually get this? You know, um, grateful I have tools and people and blah 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 blah, and it's not just me. And that terrifies me. And I think about you know what. Where I was a couple of years ago, you know, when I was when I left, I didn't do a transition plan here. You know, I was still working here, so I guess I guess my transition plan was here. I'm moving over there, and I'm going to still work here. You know, yeah. um, but it is interesting to think about that because you know when when we sit down with participants now, you know, and they bring an exit plan or a transition plan or recovery, you know, relapse prevention plan or yeah, yeah. discharge plan, yeah, different names for it, whatever you call that. When people bring it to us, you know. And I have real honest conversations. I, I sit down and I read it. Now, I, I know that some people, when they come here, and when they 
sign off on those. I, maybe they don't read as thoroughly. I don't know. But I, I, I take my time and read those plans and give honest feedback about that. And, and I look at the goals. You know, I, I, you know, we, the, our plan has, you know, five short-term goals, five long-term goals. And I think the exit plan has fears and this and that, you know, this, this, it's a, it's a, it's a very well thought out uh, document, I think. And it requires some thought, you know, on yeah. the participants and work to put on the participant. And, you know, when it's presented to me, you know, sometimes I can read that and say, all right, well, look, that's just everything you've heard in the NA meetings. Yeah. That, and that's great. And what are you gonna do? Yeah. You know, I'm I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do step work, and I'm gonna find a sponsor. Everything you've been do? told to do, pretty much. Yeah, which is great. That's yeah. a great start. I mean, that's an open mindedness, a willingness there. You know, if we're talking the language, I guess of twelve steps using those those terms. But how? It's pretty you generalized. Know? You know, sometimes yeah. what they put down on the plans or what especially you know, put down on plans. Before. Well, especially when it's after the twenty eight day program, the people who leave after twenty eight days, it's like. All right, but what are the, the you you know some words, you've got some language, but you don't you don't have tools yet. Yeah. But you haven't had your phone in 28 days. How the hell are you gonna you know contact anybody? You haven't. So so I I'm always very very uh, mindful when I put to, when I look at these plans, you know, to give honest feedback, you know, and and but also I also I know like you do and like Art does, you know, I can recover anywhere, you know, I can use anywhere too. So absolutely, yeah. And I I so anyway, going back to you. Now that we've got on that tangent here, um, because because you being here really is the cat's pajamas. It is. No, no. There we go. There we go. That's a that's a. We call that a callback in the biz, don't we? I don't know. I'm still learning. You're still learning. <laughs> I'm new here. All right. Well then. Okay. I got two terms for you. I would like you to learn um, a Dutch angle art. Look this up later. Urban dictionary. No, 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 no. no. It's not disgusting. All it's right. not like a Dutch rudder. Um, that's a totally different thing, isn't it? And I want you to look up. It's it's a. I'll think about the expression, and I'll get back to you on this. Writing it down now. It's oh, for crying out loud! It's a play. It's um. I'm gonna look that up in my. I'm gonna look that up as we speak. Tell us about something in your life that's going on. A Chekhov's gun. I want you to look up Chekhov's gun, and I want you to look up Dutch angle. These are two things that are important for storytelling. Well, for storytelling, um, the Dutch angle, especially when it comes to filmography. Homework. 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 Done. Done, done, done. <laughs> the cool thing I know about yeah. Art is that he actually listens to me sometimes, and I like that. I do. I do, yeah. Remain do. teachable, right? Yeah. Well, and he, te he teaches me a lot, too. I actually... You know, I, I talk, I've been thinking a lot about fulfillment lately and, and purpose, you know, and, and I have a pretty set idea of what purpose is for me. And I have a, a fairly set idea of the common, the core values um, that push me towards that purpose, right? And now I'm working on sort of looking at the things in my life that aren't, aren't bringing me that fulfillment of that purpose. And uh, which is why having a good conversation with honesty today was really helpful um, because, you know, she, she must, you know, she saw some things. She, uh, she instigated the conversation um, and it was like, cool, this is great. This is exactly what I needed to hear. And it was exactly what I was feeling. And that to me, being able to work in an environment where recovery is first and foremost on everybody's mind is really helpful for me. 
Oh, yeah. I can't imagine so. working somewhere else. There are times when I try to imagine <laughs> yeah. it, um, and 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 I think, oh, wouldn't that be nice? You know, especially when my car is on the fritz, or if I, you know, I need to put a new battery or you know something anyway. Um, but it's this relates to you because you're in a position. You've just you were on staff for a little while. I mean, you were a driver for a while, long while, a long while, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've been a house leader, <clears throat> correct? You know, you've and you've lived in our housing, um, and now you—I don't know exactly what the. Would you go from driving to? So I started like I, I finished the twenty-day program. I transitioned into sober living, and I worked with John Schenholzer slightly there for a little bit, doing what Art's doing now. But it wasn't my forte. So and what I, Art's I, doing now? Well, not but like the, some of the media stuff. I was supposed to be doing some media projects with John, oh. and like working with Todd and stuff, and. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I don't want to be wasting your time. Like, I, I, I don't know. I wasn't really stabilized at the point yet in my early recovery. And I was like, I don't want to waste your time. So then I. Um, Art, do you feel stabilized? Because I sure as hell don't. <laughs> well, I mean, Art's doing a great job. Yeah. You I are. was it's not. Fun. I was procrastinating and letting fear kind of guide that moment in my life. But um, so when that didn't really pan out, I became a driver, a volunteer here. And then I started driving for Jesus the longest time uh six foot two in a compact man i was i was driving for like you know almost a year and then just kind of worked my way up to like you know driving coordinator you know coordinating everything the the driving lead and stuff like that and then i um and then i had to go back to jail (laughs) and turn myself in for my most recent charges and then i and you were sober and i was sober when i did that that was in november last year and then i got out had to do two months out of a 10-year sentence because i was doing so well here and then um wait say that again i did two months out of a 10-year sentence because of the progress that i made while here at the mixed foundation okay i actually didn't realize that yeah and was actually 52 days out of two months 52 days out of 10 whole wait 10 months or 10 years 10 years 52 days out of 10 years for that most recent charge yes because you were doing so well here correct that's insanely awesome. Yeah. I think COVID also had something to do with that. But well, either way, let's... I put a lot of effort into what I was doing while I was doing while I was here. Yeah, I mean, COVID, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if they want you, they're going to get you. <laughs> Absolutely. They want to trust. Trust and believe. That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I, when I went into court, they were just like, oh, they're not going to you know, hinder your progress by making you go back to jail and stuff. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to prepare for that because I really got some, some crappy luck. So they... They were kind of out for a little bit, you know, regardless of how well I was doing. And I was, you know, accountability is a big part of my program and and things like that. So I was like, all right, whatever. I surrendered to that, you know, and I knew two months is nothing. I've, I've, I've done well over that at a stretch. So I went in, took care of business, got out, came back, did my peer recovery specialist training and got back to driving for McShin for a little bit there. And then I was offered a position as a peer recovery specialist. And then I did that for a, a brief while, maybe like a few months, maybe a couple months. And then I got this latest gig, the men's program manager. Well, so before we go into that, um, <clears throat> what did you do for those two months while you were in jail? <laughs> um, I was sponsoring myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how'd that, how'd that yeah. go? I, was, I mean, I was in a safe environment to be able to sponsor myself, <laughs> luckily, but I stopped at the fourth step. Of Alcoholics Anonymous because I was like, I'm just going to have to do this over anyways. So I just kind of stopped, but I just stayed busy. I exercised. I just 
read whatever books I could obtain that were, you know, good for my spiritual condition. And um, they weren't just like some smut jailhouse books, which they have a lot of those. Smut um, jailhouse yeah, books. Yeah, just like some weird stuff in there. But um, <laughs> yeah, so then... Hey, hey, we went to different jails, I know that. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. So... I, there wasn't a lot of smut where I was. was a lot like, of Bibles. Yeah. Like I said, what do they call them? Smut. Urban books? I'm not sure. Urban yeah. books, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly. Yeah. Urban books? So I, I steer clear of the urban books, and I <laughs> yeah, read a lot of like spiritual books, things like that, obviously. Just whatever was available, but... I mean, I just tried to come up with a plan on what I was going to do when I got out, Yeah, you know, because it kind of did kind of pause my life a little bit there, you know, but it, two months is nothing, you know, I mean, it, two months is two months in jail, but it still, it was, I, this was the only time in my life when I've <laughs> been in jail and I've known exactly when it was that I was going to be getting out <laughs> every other time. It's like, no bond, no bond, no bond. And I'm just like, I'm going to be in here forever. And do you have anything left hanging over your head? Oh, I mean, no, ever, there's no pending charges or anything like that. I'm just yeah. on probation still. But yeah. they're looking to obviously get me off pretty soon because, again, of the progress I made while at the McShen Foundation. That's that's awesome. That is awesome. And now you've transitioned into this new, um, bigger role. Um, so let's talk about that. What what are what are you doing now? The men's program manager, but what else are you doing? Because I know that initially, a couple of months ago, they were like separating uh the 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 step-up house is kind of sort of out of that role and it it feels like you kind of have 10 houses that you're managing right now so talk to me is that <sighs> is that what i'm hearing all right so because that's a lot yeah i do a lot of things around here now um which is good it keeps me busy and and stuff but uh yeah so I, right now well prior to probably the past couple of weeks it was i'm overseeing yeah. the program participants here at McShen and that consisted of pretty much two houses entirely and then also overseeing about the other eight um, sober living men's sober living houses so it was a total of 10 houses that I was overseeing and the, the house leaders that are in charge of each of those individual houses and it it's a lot you know there's there's like 103 beds here at the mcshen foundation and men's beds men's beds right. 103 men's beds and just that i mean all kinds of things you know trying to keep order in the houses what know, you know try no. to work with you know the people that are struggling anybody has any questions about recovery needs any help with anything you know i'm, I'm willing to help them out and then here recently to kind of help out with the the caseload we've taken some of those houses um you know the oversight or the overseeing those houses away so it's i've only got about six houses now that i have to directly oversee but obviously i'm still responsible for overseeing all yeah. of them. so it's the lines are blurred and, and things like that but i mean it, it still works you know I've, I've gotten to know all pretty much most of the participants here in the program since i started through intensive until now so i mean it's it's easier that way that i've been around here for a while because i've already kind of built those relationships with the men here yeah well i i get that i'm glad you i'm glad you said the word blurred um the lines being blurred uh you know with recovery period but but working in recovery working working in a, a place you know i 
I'm I'm the same way. I you know art is as well. You know we've all um, gotten well. I don't want to say gotten clean. Uh, we found recovery, you know, and and maintained our recovery here at the McChin Foundation. You know, we've found it elsewhere, but this is where we've all all three of us, you know, have currently maintained our recovery. How about that? Sustained it. Sustained yeah. it. Yeah, sustained our recovery, and you know that that's um very important to me and you know as a person who is now in recovery who works in the same place where i got into recovery um when i lived here you know i i had to learn and i still have to learn this but i had to learn how to draw really hard boundaries and mm -hmm. i was a, i was a house leader while i worked here for most of the time that i worked here um there was a tiny little gap where i wasn't um, and then another tiny gap where I was traveling and, um, well, and then moved out. But, you know, for me, it was really, really important to learn how to do that. And, and you have a benefit. Art just recently got his driver's license. You have the benefit of having a driver's license. And I, you, you have a car too? Um, you have a car. Part time. Part time. Yeah. I have access right. to many vehicles. Well, right. You, <laughs> yeah. So you have access to a vehicle. You know, it was important for me to have a vehicle and be able to, well, it was important initially because I didn't. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I had friends who had vehicles, yeah. you know, and got who weren't McChin, um, and got out of this place. And, and not to say it's a bad place. It's just like for for me to draw boundaries, it meant you know I have to go seek recovery elsewhere. Elsewhere, some yeah. because what inevitably happens, and I'm sure you're experiencing this now. It's like if I'm in this building, somebody's asking me about something. To some work related boy, and yeah. like you know I, I can't tell you how many times i walk in here on a saturday to get something out of my office and i'm here for an hour and a half and i'm like what the hell am i doing and it's and 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 it's tough because it's not just participants it's the staff like everybody, I, 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 <laughs> I do it to people and i kick myself when i realize that i'm doing it you know it's like i'm violating unspoken boundaries and like it's your day off yeah take your day off you know, I want to have my day off. You, you, it's well, and, and so, so I guess the question then is, how are you dealing with creating boundaries and maintaining those boundaries? And how are you keeping your recovery? Uh, what does that look like for you? I think I feel attacked right now. No, no. Oh, gosh. No, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I'm That's kidding, not I'm at kidding. all. Um, That's not my intention at so all. So that was a loaded question. Let me start with the boundaries part that I really don't seem to to be able to stand by my own boundaries um it's difficult in this field you know it's really difficult it's difficult for me being i think the, the kind of person that i am that wants to to help people and i'm super codependent mm -hmm. you know and and i'm still sick even after almost a couple years you know of sustained recovery but i struggle with boundaries you know that's i, I don't know i mean the main thing I learned about codependency is to place your, your boundaries and, you know, learn to say no, but I'm a people pleaser and, and stuff. So yeah, y'all see me working when I'm not supposed to be working and working from home and things like that. So, I mean, it's really difficult and also being a participant in the program as well as the men's program manager. It's, it's really difficult. There's no like off time for me yeah because technically you oversee the guy who oversees you yes yeah it's <laughs> it's really weird it's kind of yeah. weird right now um it's an awkward phase of my life um but yeah i mean it it, it just it works right now but it, i don't know i'm kind of having to 
reassess and reevaluate like what, what my goals are and what what it is that I'm doing, what my next step is from here, because I don't want to I'm at the point where I feel like I'm kind of taking up a bed, you know, that someone that may need it a little bit more or a lot bit more <laughs> than, mm. than than myself. So but other than that, like the boundaries, it it's really difficult. I mean, I place them, but people don't respect them. So I go. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right. Well. Yeah. Well. I don't want to be an asshole. I'm trying not to be an asshole. There's there's uh there's people not respecting boundaries, and then there's you know reasserting the boundary, um you know as necessary, in a in a healthy, assertive way. Um, I, I haven't found that exactly yeah. what works for me, yeah. um, and I think it works differently with everybody I interact with. But there are certain things that I'm I've gotten really good about, and you know sometimes I I, I realize you know sometimes I even look at myself and I'm like, man, I sounded like a dick because I you know oh I'm scared. But like at the other end of that, it's like no, I have to set this boundary. Um, I did it to you the other day. You sent me an email. I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. and 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 I and actually it was like the third person you had assigned to me at that point without talking to me first. And I was like, well, wait a second. First of all, no, because he was my coachy before. Right. But second of all, you need to have a discussion. Absolutely. And it's not just a me thing. It's like, you know, it's like, I'm not trying to be picky of who it is. It's like my time is also, you know, and in fact, like to the point where like, I was just told I can't take any, you know, and it's like, yeah. and, and I'm like, well, that's not going to work for me either. Like I need to have a coach. I'm, I'm, I'm codependent AF. Yeah. But, no. And, and in all seriousness though, it's, it's like, you know, respecting the other people around is like, okay. I also am now like, I got a phone call from a staff member. Who's not like a friend of me. And I, I mean, that's, that's, I know it's a distinction I make, but <laughs> yeah. like, I got a phone call from a staff member on Sunday at like two in the afternoon. I'm like, I'm not picking this up. Yeah. Like, like it wasn't my boss, which even then I'd be like, mm, why are you calling me? Yeah. Um, it was another staff member. Like, yeah, I'm not picking this up. You yes. know, this could be done through email, which I can read at my leisure. I'm doing Nathan stuff at this time. Digital barriers. That's what you I'm know? kind of trying to learn right Di now yeah. as well. It's really difficult because I mean, I, I just, it's yeah. tough. It's tough because we also living in housing or having lived in housing and being in the same place where I found recovery. It's like so many of my friends have. Well, every, I mean, I didn't know anybody in Richmond when I got here. So almost everybody I know in Richmond, almost everybody I know, and my closest friends have some kind of tie to this place. Sims from McShane, yeah, <laughs> which is amazing, brilliant, lovely, and you know, it's like I realized like. Like art, you know, like I'm becoming really buddy buddy with art, you know, friends, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to create that dynamic where he doesn't want to pick up the phone and talk to me because on a day you're off. A yeah, yeah, because I because we work together, yeah. which is, you know, it's like I look at the phone, and I'm like, oh, what the hell do you want? There's certain certain people, yeah. you know, staff, participants, etc. Like I, I, I'm actually really good. Like there, I don't. If it's a staff participant, I mean a uh, a McShin participant, you know, and they're calling me like nine o'clock at night, I'm like, yeah, th there's nothing I can do to help. I'm not the guy who makes decisions, yeah. you know, on on housing and this and that and the other. So it's like people are constantly saying, well, how do I get back into McShin? You call Joyce, you know. Yeah, it's like you all know how to do this, um, and and I love that, and I want to be of service, but at the same time, it's like you know, you have the tool, you just need to use the tool. You want me to do it for you, and I I don't do that for people anymore. It's 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 been something that I've just continued to just train by train other people. Uh oh, oh okay. I thought we lost it there for a second. Um, train other people 
how we want our boundaries respected by actually respecting our boundaries ourselves, you know, and that's, that's, it's a, it's an exercise. It's a constant exercise. And I have to kind of start being like an asshole because being that, you know, I started at the bottom, now I'm here or whatever. Like I made friends with a lot of people and before I even was like, you know, a driver or like a PRS or any of that stuff. And now because they know me, they just like other participants here in the program, they come to me directly for, for damn near everything. Yeah. You know, and it's really, it's really difficult. Um, because it's things that like, you know, I'm like, speak to your house leader about this issue. You know, I'm not yeah. your house leader or like if, it, you know, I, I can't fix everybody's problems. And my codependent side is like, yes, you can. <laughs> You're going to save the world. You're going to do this. I relate to that. And it sucks. It's a double-edged sword. But yeah. And so, the, I mean, all I do with that really is I just don't answer the phone. And I'm like, you know, you'll, you'll get the hint. You know, I mean, like you, it's 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday. Like, why are you calling me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I can't do anything. I'm, I'm trying to get some sleep, you know, and, but it's just the nature of the beast with, you know, this type of. It is the field. nature of the beast. And on the other side of that coin, for me at least, is when I stick to my boundaries and when I see people trying to violate those boundaries and then, you know, eventually figure it out and do things the way they need to do them on their own or, you know, figuring out using the resources and the tools they have. And I'm, I'm a, you know, I, if, if I got a resource and I know what to do, you know, I'm going to say, well, here, this is where you need to go. You know, try to empower them, try, or exactly. educate them on how to do it themselves it instead so of just doing cool. it for yeah. them. It's easiest, you know, and it's so cool to watch people do that. It can be frustrating because I want to dip in and be like, I can fix this and I can do it faster and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And, you know, and I, I struggle, especially, you know, we're not supposed to have favorites, but we do, yeah. you know, and it's like some people are, you know, and, and now I'm learning, actually, I think with many of the people I like the most are the ones, boy, this is really not the best conversation to have here. Nobody's listening anyway. <laughs> um, but the converse, the, the people that I, that are, I really, uh, you know, connect with and res resonate with are the ones I probably push the hardest away, you know, push on my boundaries. Um, just cause I'm like, no, nah, you're, I like you because you're smart. Go figure this shit out. Yeah, I know you can yeah. do it. I know you can go do it. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, so much of that is recovery. Um, look, man, this this conversation took a turn that I didn't want it to take. Uh, but I think it. I think we'll take a I think we'll take a, a little break and then I want to talk about history and I want to take a talk about why I asked you to be on the show yeah. today. So uh, we'll be back in like two and a half minutes or so. We're gonna show a little uh, cool video. And while you're watching this little video, if you're watching um, I want you to pay a lot of attention to the camera work. That's a drone that's coming up and doing this really cool stuff. We don't have that drone anymore, and we'd like to get a drone. So think about that while you're watching. Any of you have a drone? Here at McShen, we believe in the McShen way, which is authentic recovery support service providers, people with lived experience, bringing that experience to those who need that lived experience in recovery. Here at McShin, we believe in many things to support our mission. We believe in women empowerment. What I love most about what we believe here at McShin is we believe in the authenticity of the peer-to-peer -peer approach. Here at the McShin Foundation, we believe in giving people opportunity. Here at McShin, we believe in the inherent worth and dignity of every person. At the McShin Foundation, we believe in helping people reach their full potential. 
Here at the McShin Foundation, we believe in multiple pathways to recovery. Here at McShin, we believe in placing principles before personalities to help spread hope. Here at McShin, we believe that recovery is possible and that any person seeking recovery can become a more acceptable, responsible, and productive member of society. Here at the McShin Foundation, we believe in self-discovery. Here at McShin, we believe in saving lives and offering second chances. Here at McShin, we believe you can do this. Here at McShin Foundation, we believe that we can only keep what we have by giving away, which is why we continue to help others like us seek and find recovery. everybody good afternoon and if you have no idea what the hell you're watching or listening to right now let me refresh your memory uh this is the award-winning gotta put that in award-winning recovery podcast get in the herd brought to you by the mcshin foundation i am still your host nathan mitchell um i think i'm going to introduce myself that way all the time now i'm still your host nathan mitchell still your host yeah still. i'm still your host yeah and we are with uh clay porter clay, clay with, with a k, k. <laughs> it's important. Um, Clay with the K. Then we're going to talk today about the real reason I asked Clay to be on the show today. Dun dun dun! This is your life. Um, that voice you hear is your mother coming in the door. Um, I'm sorry, that was. Uh, That's okay. That was that was just that was too. I much. accept you for who you are. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I don't know why that just hit me in the back of my like like almost like horseradish hits back here. Ooh, horseradish hits you like that? Yeah. Ooh, ooh, I got it. That's the way you said that. Ooh. Um, You're welcome. Today is June 28th, 2022. And for the, for those of you out there keeping score, and the reason I say that is because today is the anniversary, the 53rd anniversary of the Stonewall in riots. Um, the Stonewall riots, uh, I brought up with Clay the other day, and Clay said, Stonewall, what? And uh, I was like, man, let's talk about it. Oh, look at this. Okay, so Art's putting this up here. So Why don't you look at that? The Gay Liberation Front. It's interesting. Actually, this is really interesting, the picture you're showing here. First of all, that that's from the movie. That's not actually. <laughs> oh, that's not actual. I don't eh. think that's actual footage. And the reason I say that. It's well, so good. It just looks too clean. You know what I mean? Not vintage they look too happy. It looks too posed, but so so let, let's talk about this. So in uh, June twenty eighth, nineteen sixty nine, early hours of the morning of June twenty eighth, uh, the Stonewall Inn, which is still um, a bar uh, club in the in Greenwich Village in New York City, and 
that night, uh, well, in, in the late 60s, throughout the 60s, uh, most of the gay bars uh, in New York were run by the mafia. The mafia. The mafia. Um, who didn't really give a crap about gay rights? They just gave a crap about making money. The money. And what would happen is, you know, they would regularly get raided by the police because, of course, all that stuff was illegal back then. You know, being gay was just illegal. And they'd get raided by the police and the police would get paid off. I mean, this was just a, it was a racket on all ends, you know. But for whatever reason, that particular night, um, the people fought back. And they fought back and they, they weren't going to pay them off. And they fought back and people got hurt. And, you know, it's interesting because the, the story often gets whitewashed. And I mean whitewashed mm -hmm. is you often see, you know, white male figures coming back from that. But the story as it goes is it was the, 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 the people of color, the drag queens, people of color, who were the real uh, leaders in charge in front there uh, fighting against the police who started beating the ever-loving crap out of people because they wouldn't pay money. So it became, you know, became an issue. A lot of people got arrested, yada, yada, hurt, yada, yada, yada. And the next year, um, there was uh, the first gay rights march um, in, D in uh, excuse me, in New York. And I think after that, it started becoming in other places. So now we celebrate Pride Month in June as a direct result. Most of most places except, across the United States. Except for Richmond. Except for Richmond. <laughs> but to be fair, I would much rather celebrate in the, the end of September when the weather's nicer yeah. um, or generally nicer than the hot nastiness that we usually get this time of year here in June. Although, to be fair, it's, well, I don't know what it's like outside right now, but it was quite pleasant yesterday, yeah. even yeah. with the rain. But Oh, 79 degrees outside. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, Art. Art. Art is on top of <laughs> things on today. today. Damn. This is what happens when he takes a day off. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And he goes, he went and bought an Alexa and, uh. and all this stuff. But, you know, so we celebrate that. We celebrate what came from that. And there were, there were people doing, you know, doing the work before that, obviously. Uh, but that really was a watershed moment. And then, you know, throughout the 70s, you have these, these, these conflicts um, these celebrations and these conflicts and these events, you know, all culminating, well, not culminating, I guess, but, you know, getting to the eighties where, you know, you have suddenly, you know, the AIDS epidemic you know, popping up. And so without getting too deep into that necessarily, because that's something that affects us now anyway, I mean, mm -hmm. it's certainly, I, I know you're younger than I am. How old are you? I am 32 years young. Yeah. You're, you're several years younger than I am. So, well, and I, I I say this because you know I you know I grew up I grew up a child in the eighties, and you know I I hit you know the early nine I'm I went to high school in nineteen ninety I started high school in fall of nineteen ninety mm -hmm. and as as a person hitting puberty in the late eighties early nineties you know all I knew of who I was was that anybody who who had feelings like I did caught AIDS and died yeah. Um, and if you didn't, you know, you were just an old bitter queen on, on a, on a show somewhere, you know, and you were, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't the, the fun friend that you became in the late nineties. You were the, the anti-hero, not the anti-hero. You were the, um, you were the villain often, or you were just the character in the corner, you know, that people made fun of and laughed at. And, and that's how it was often portrayed. The scapegoat, the scapegoat often. Yeah. I mean, and you have very few, uh, helpful or healthy renditions of what it meant to be gay on TV, you know, in the media. Um, and often you had a lot of people showing, you know, the horribleness of it, you know, you, you, and, and, and you had politicians and policymakers up there tell, you know, trying to, trying to legislate, you know, something that, uh, 
just can't do. And it's it's a great – what's awesome is that now it here is 2022, and we don't have these problems at all no. anymore. <clears throat> everything is – everything right now, at least. Yeah, no, not, everything is awesome. Um, yeah, no, I'm being sarcastic, and you know that, right? Um, we're still fighting these fights. Fighting so, the good fight. Fighting the good fight. But it's important to know the history a little bit and to know where we're coming from and to know that, you know, I am an out and proud gay man in recovery. And I talk about that more and more. Um, you know, I don't know that I, I was never in the closet when I first got here, but it wasn't something that was always the first and foremost that I talked about. Yeah. I still don't talk about it first and foremost because it isn't the only thing that defines me. Um, but when it comes to acceptance of who I am, that's fairly settled stuff. I, I would, I would love to say it's a hundred percent, but it's not. But it's fairly settled stuff. The acceptance things that I deal with on a daily basis now are the uh, getting older, you know, <laughs> what I and I yeah. you were joking, but the reality, I mean, getting older and all the things that the health issues that come with that, the, 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 just the stuff that, again, things that are out of my control. I can't control my aging. There are things I can do, you know, I can exercise or eat better that I choose not to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's these okay, are all the though. things. So, you know, I, I, I'm rambling. Talk Ramble to me. On. Talk to me. Talk to me. Tell me about your. Well, do you want to? Is there anything you want to say? Because I'm not I putting. Mean, I don't want to put your business out no, there. No, put my. Put me on blast. Out me. I don't care. Well, you out yourself. It's your. It's your I'm story a proud to tell. Homosexual male. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> well, I like that. Yeah. Well, so the, I'm. Thank you, because I'm not gonna. I, I'm not outing people, as a rule, unless you know you're nasty, horrible. Uh, disgusting don't be an old bitter queen yeah nasty horrible <laughs> bitter queen who's voting against me and then out there in the bathhouses but stop it well these are things that happen true and still happen actually but no yeah. that's cool to know about the stonewall thing I, I do like that um to know that people are you know passionate i guess I don't, i'm I well don't know. so how does how does being gay because you're i'm a, yeah i was gonna say you you've had a <sighs> tell ryan to hurry to shut up <laughs> Tell Ryan. Let me put this phone away. <laughs> put that down there. Um, um, <clears throat> how does being gay and working in this industry uh, how how does that affect you, or does it at all? Um. Well, I've been out for quite a while now. I think I don't know. I came out. I think when I was in full blown alcoholism. So I, I think I was like twenty two, maybe twenty three. So I've been out for a little while now, and um being here it's i mean it's it's just the same as when before like before i came here you know i'll tell whoever you know what um what my sexual orientation is um but i don't go around like boasting it and stuff you know because i want i want people to kind of get to know me for me first before they find that out about me it just it works better for me that way and you know i've had better experiences that way mm -hmm. Because I want people to see my character before I let them know that. Because people are still, you know, judgmental. People are still evil humans, unfortunately. Not everybody, but I don't know. So then when, it, you know, when they, people here, they, like, not everybody here knows, I guess, like, participants. Not all the participants really know. And people, like, talk and stuff like that. You know, people are going to talk. But a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't know. You know, oh, Clay, really? I'm like, I mean, I was just kind of like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, how do you respond to that? I don't know, because I haven't figured that out myself. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just it is what it is. I accept it for what it is, but um, it's not it's not bad. It's not bad at all. I've had a good experience here being an open, openly gay man here, but 
there's been hate as well. You know, I've had very little hate from people. It was at the beginning while I was like still freshly like out of intensive, the 20 day program and stuff like that, but it's been addressed, you know, a lot of, a lot of hate, but it, it, <laughs> it made me see red when, when somebody said the things that they did to me, because like, I will defend my, my character to the bitter end, you know, mm. and it just had me seeing red and I was just like, I, I about lost it for real. Cause this person that, that was saying these things to my face was like, you know, buddy, buddy and, and accepting of me who, for who I was and things. But then behind my back was saying some stuff. So that really just kind of irked me a little bit, a lot of it, you know, kind of had to speak with somebody about that. Cause I just didn't want to snap on them or anything, yeah. but, but it was addressed and um, <clears throat> they apologized and, and we were good after that, you know, but I've had a really good experience yeah. here with that other than that one moment. Well, that's, you know, it's interesting. I've had, you know, I had a, my, my experience and I, you know, I've, and I've talked to this person. I mean, why don't I just tell the experience? So, you know, initially what, you know, my, my story, you know, I was here as a participant for three months, knew everything and then left for four months and then realized I didn't know everything and came back. Um, but those first three months, you know, I had the same house leader for most of that time. And we, I don't remember the, oh yeah, yeah, I do remember my first assistant house leader. Um, but when he, when we needed, let's just say it this way, when we needed a new assistant house leader, you know, I was asked about it, but the comment I got from the house leader at the time was, well, if you take it, you're going to have to stop talking about Dick as much as you talk about it. Yeah. And I'm like, here I am like two months into recovery. You know, I'm just starting to figure <laughs> out like who I am as a person again. Um, and I'm starting to get into some self-acceptance things that I never yeah. thought I had a problem with. And I've got this guy telling me I can't talk about my sexuality because that's essentially what he's saying. Because yeah. I'm like, well, I don't talk about Dick any more than anyone else talks about pussy, yeah. you know? And, and in fact, I... I'm sure it's less, yeah. you know, I'm sure it's less because I know I'm protective of myself. So, yeah. so I, I took that to heart and I said, you know what? I don't want this opportunity. And I, I let that be a definition for me. And now I, that, that person and I are still really close and friends. And so, I mean, we've talked about that and, and whatever since then, but it was a real ugh, moment for yeah. me. And then following that up, you know, when I, when I came, when I came into, this is, this is stuff I never talk about. Um, well, I never talk about online, but but I, I'll talk about this here because this is something that you might relate to. Maybe not. But, you know, the way we do urine screens around here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the way we do it is, you know, it's it's a guy and a guy and a girl and a girl, which in and of itself has some issues because we now have some non-binary and transgender, period, uh, transgender people, um, people who are transgender in our housing. So we start to get into the waters of, okay, what do we do? Um, and it turns out we just ask the people, but that's another story. Yeah. Um, when I became a house leader and staff member, you know, and we talked about, you know, I'm going to do this. I, I brought up that particular concern again. I'm like, well, you know, I, 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 well, I, I had some fear. I had yeah, some I fear. Don't like doing it. <laughs> I, well, and to the point where, you know, I had, I definitely had some fear about it. Um, and I put this whole idea in my head that, all right, I'm bracing myself for the most horrible things I can imagine. And then something happened almost immediately when I started doing it. Somebody said something that wasn't horrible, but was kind, but also, can I get somebody else because of your proclivity? 
And I didn't know how to handle that. I was alone in a bathroom with a person and I don't know how to handle this. Um, because what happened, you know, I was like, well, okay, you go down there and tell, you know, the program director at the time. And, and anyway, yeah. I, I ended up doing the urine screen, but afterwards I realized there's a, there's a piece there that I took on personally that I wish I hadn't, I was alone. Yeah. First of all, I, I, I wish I hadn't been alone. Right. Um, and I, and I, and I recognized afterwards that, oh, wait a second. I don't know what kind of trauma this person is coming into the experience with and who knows, you know, and I never asked that again. Um, and afterwards I actually, you know, cause I went immediately after I did that, I went and talked to, to Jesse and, and the men's program director at the time. Like, I don't know what I should have done, blah, 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 blah. You know, they didn't either. You know, we kind of figured out we're fine, but I ended up talking to that participant later on. Um, and, you know, sort of like, I, I wish I had done this better. And he was like, no, you were fine. You know, we ended up becoming fine after that. And in fact, we lived together in a house for, I think, about a year. So, you know, there were other... nothing personal. It wasn't yeah. anything personal. And I'm, I'm really, you know, I wish I hadn't taken it personally, but I'm glad that I, I don't know. There's, I have a like, lot of how questions. How dare you? That. How dare you yeah. think that, yeah. Because, I, you know, I, I, I'm just interested in getting the urine. Yeah, in, I just, just want to know what's in your pee. You know? <laughs> um, and I know that that's probably a lot to discuss on the show, but yeah. these are like, we, we, we have real life situations here, you know? And the thing is, is like everybody coming into recovery, most people coming into recovery, I should say, myself very much included, are sort of discovering what acceptance means for them, you know? And I think a lot of what we're doing here is learning how to accept whatever it is that we're not accepting you know whether it's our alcoholism our addiction you know our 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 bodies our our sexuality um you know these are things that we're coming in here to explore and accept and and it can be a little messy sometimes oh yeah you know and it's absolutely really helpful to have people around here who have are, the lived experience have the lived experience yeah um and so that's why you know i i live out you know, just just a just before uh, the show, uh, about noon, you know, somebody popped in and uh, said, "Hey, can I talk to you?" And this person, um, you know, not somebody I normally talk to, you know, somebody. And this person sat down and and unloaded a whole bunch of stuff that I struggled. A lot of the conversation I'm having now is just yeah. stuff that I just had because it was a lot of some of the same things I struggled with when I first got here, and I was. It's an honor to be able to be in a position to have these conversations. Um, and I'm, it's an also, you know, I get to some honesty about, I don't know all the solutions. I don't have it's, all the solutions. Some of the situations are difficult to navigate. Yeah. I mean, either they haven't already been navigated previously by someone else or, you know, we obviously we haven't been the ones to do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it can be, it can be a little bit difficult. But we do our best. Yeah, well, I, I agree, though. I do think I think we do our best, and I do think that is so. That it is important for us, you know, in in positions of authority, is what we are, you know, here as staff, yeah. peer leaders, you know, as we navigate our own waters and get to our own acceptance, that we share that acceptance. Um, to use the language of twelve steps, you know, as a as a as a program of attraction. You know, not not necessarily promotion, um, not at all promotion. Really, I'm not saying you need to be this way. I'm just saying if yeah. you are this way, you're okay. You know. Well, when I came 
like when I came through the intensive program, I remember my recovery coach was actually a trans individual and she went by she, her, I believe. And um, that made me feel really, really comfortable here, you know, because I, I don't know. I still like, even though I'm out and stuff, depending on if I'm if, like in the world, you know, I, I want to feel like I fit in and I belong. And when I came here, I was like, oh God, you know, I'm going to be getting sober and I can't get high or drunk to mask these feelings of like not feeling like I belong. So I was like, God, this is going to suck, you know? And then I came here and I was assigned a recovery coach and they were trans and we had a lot of good conversations, you know, and it just made me feel welcome. Yeah. You know? And they're, they're no longer here anymore, but I'm glad that I had that experience while they were here. Yeah. Cause it definitely helped me feel like I belonged. Yeah. And I stuck around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's cool. Cause that particular person, you know, they helped a lot of other people too. Um, not only accept that part, but also mm -hmm. kind of learn and grow. Certainly I learned a lot from them um, and continue to, I mean, just, just the way, you know, I'm on the ethics committee and the way we work with individuals. It's like, oh, wait, you know, we, we can have conversations that aren't offensive about yeah. these things. Um, and we can work to do better, which is kind of neat. The diversity and inclusion. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We covered a lot of ground. Doesn't seem like it was the, uh, seemed like it was a kind of unmoored. Unmoored is my word of the day. It, yeah. Calling out some random words that I ain't even heard before. Me? Yeah. Do I? No. Nathan tends to do that. Do I? What no. was it? Realty. What was the one word? Failed. Fealty. Fealty. F e a l t y. Um, uh, fidelity to a. It, it's a. <laughs> to yeah, it's it's a it's another word for loyalty, um, mm. but I think it's a little more on a feudal. Uh, I don't know the, the <laughs> feudalism. Feudalism. Yeah. Feudalism. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I. I wish I. Yeah. Anyway, um, fealty to a to a a, a lord. Essentially, you're you know, fealty to some sort of nobleman. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't, I don't throw random words out there. I'm, I'm, I'm accessible, aren't I? You know? <laughs> I He's know. accessible, right? He's, right. Accessible, He's accessible. Yeah. <laughs> no, what, 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 what are you talking about here? Um, you know, it's not like don't I'm. Go pick I am actually. <laughs> I don't you do that? <laughs> I'm trying to remember a word. There's a there, yeah. Ses sesquipedalian is what I'm thinking of, right? I'm, Why do you got to do that? Well, I mean, <laughs> would you would you call me sesquipedalian? I don't even know what that is. You wouldn't? No. I mean, probably. I probably would. You probably would. Fucking, well, I mean, yeah. me, me, and perhaps my the my vocabulary could be somewhat described mm -hmm. that way. I I tend do tend to be somewhat loquacious. Loquacious. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> salacious i love salacious salacious yes well yes but please don't define please you don't define me as salacious no. that, that would be that would be weird this is salacious is one of those words i learned with nathan well that sounds weird but <laughs> <laughs> we, we're, we, we were uh we did but why why it was we... salacia it was the uh the god of ne or the neptune's wife or girl oh, salacia salacia, salacia mm. yeah where was that i i we do... were um it, those are few of us in the car we were coming back from getting sushi i think that was Checks neptune, out. neptune. <laughs> that, that's right that's yep. right yep. that's right yes because I, I i often make the joke that uh and neptune wept after we left eating sushi <laughs> um and and somebody said no you mean poseidon and i'm like well it could be either one but that's you know was that you who said poseidon no uh, somebody said poseidon um 
it, 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 it was a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's often, and I always appreciate this. Oh, sesquipedalian loquaciousness. I like this. Um, there's a lot of contrarianism in my car after sushi. Well, in general, in my car, um, but particularly after sushi, because I always try to find interesting people to have in the car when I'm going to get food. If I'm going to sit and eat for an hour and a half and wolf down an f ton of sushi, you better be somewhat interesting to me. Like I don't like I don't. My time is valuable to me. I I I I do not want to put myself. I I just my personal time talking about boundaries right when i go out to eat or hang out with people like my time is my time is valuable absolutely it's me and i protect that time so if i'm going to go out and eat dinner with with people it's going to be people who are going to be interesting and for me interesting is often people who you know have diff slightly different opinions maybe not completely different because you know i don't want to murder people yeah <laughs> well, let's practice Faulty to um, Clay's time, and oh, yeah. oh. oh, circle, and oh. and <laughs> we call a that a callback. Sesquipedalian. Yeah. Sesquipedalian yeah. <laughs> uh, means uh, either slight, long-winded, and/or a uh, lot of syllables, polysyllabic. And then that bitch, Felicia. Felicia, <laughs> 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 not Felicia. <laughs> All right, bye, Felicia. Oh <laughs> On that note, do you have anything else you want to? Ed, before we close out what, what happens to be a crazy show? Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Fascinating. Fascinating. Thank Deep you. stuff. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Very good to have you here today. And Art, would you like to say anything before we go? No. Thank you, Clay, for coming on the show. Appreciate you. Absolutely. I'll try not to be as elusive going forward. Maybe we can do this again at another time. Stay Ooh. elusive. It makes it fun. Stay elusive. Yeah. <laughs> Stay. <laughs> Where's Clay? Yeah. Where's Clay? Uh, in my office. You know where to find me. We're gonna get do. you a. <laughs> we'll get you a striped shirt and some round. No stripes. Yeah, red stripes. Where's Walter? No yeah. stripes. Thank you. Oh, you got okay. the Um. Anyway, everybody, thank you for, uh, for staying with us on this uh, round the world show today. Um. We will see you on Thursday at 2 p.m. Uh, going forward. And I just want to say thank you again to Art for everything, for being here, setting this up, and to our our philabolists. Philabol. And I, this is what happens. I get to the hour mark. Oh, I get to the hour mark and I can't talk. The hour mark. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I get to the hour mark and I can't talk. So anyway. This is what recovery looks like. Yeah, this right here. Oof. Um, anyway, thank you again, Clay, for being You're here welcome. today. Really appreciate you. Reason you with my presence. <laughs> Everybody out there watching, listening, thank you for being here. Um, see you Thursday. Stay in the herd. the CEO of the McShen Foundation and a woman in long-term recovery since May 27, 2007. I have not used drugs or alcohol. Woo -woo. Thank you so, so much to the Richmond Times-Dispatch and all of our voters for getting the Herd podcast. 
Those podcasts are amazing. Not only has it helped thousands upon thousands of people in their recovery, as well as family members, but it has helped me in my personal recovery. I get to listen to them now in my car through Spotify and iHeartRadio. And it's just really, really important for us to be innovative in the addiction field and the recovery community. So when COVID hit, we had to be innovative. You know, we really had to think of like, what can we do to reach people that cannot go to 12-step meetings? smart recovery, faith-based, whatever, um, that we're shutting down constantly. So we were innovative here at McShen. Let's start podcast. So with Todd, John, Alex, um, and some other staff, you know, we all just kind of jumped in who can do what. And um, with Todd's lead and John's lead, the podcasts have been amazing and we're still doing them today. So I want to thank you for all of your votes and all of your energy and all of your support of our mission of healing families and saving lives. Thanks.